Chapter Fourteen of Love Insurance by Earl Der Biggers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Fourteen. Jersey City interferes. At ten o'clock that Saturday morning, Lord Harrowby was engrossed in the ceremony of breakfast in his rooms. For the occasion, he wore an orange and purple dressing-gown with a floral design no botanist could have sanctioned the sort of dressing-gown that arnold bennett had he seen it would have made a leading character in a novel he was cheerful was harrowby and as he glanced through an old copy of the london times he made strange noises in his throat under the impression that he was humming a musical comedy chorus there was a knock and harrowby cried come in Mr. Minot, fresh as the morning and nowhere near so hot, entered. Feeling pretty satisfied with life, I'll wager, Minot suggested. My dear chap, gay as, as a robin, Harrowby replied. Snatch your last giggle, said Minot. Have one final laugh and make it a good one, then wake up. Wake up? Why, I am awake. Oh, no, you're dreaming on a bed of roses. Listen. Martin Wall didn't go north with the impostor, after all. Changed his mind. Look. And Minot tossed something on the table, just abaft his lordship's eggs. The devil! Chain lightning's collar, cried Harrowby. Back to its original storage vault, said Minot. What is this, Harrowby? A Drury Lane melodrama? My word, I can't make it out. Can't you? Got the necklace back this morning with a note from Martin Wall, saying I dropped it last night in a scrap on the deck of the Lilith. Confound the thing, sighed Harrowby, staring morosely at the diamonds. My first impulse, said Minot, is to hand the necklace back to you and gracefully withdraw. But of course, I'm here to look after Jeffson's interests. Naturally put in harrowby quickly and let me tell you that should this necklace be found before the wedding jephson is practically certain to pay that policy i think you'd better keep it they're not likely to search you again if i took it dear old chap they search me every little while you didn't steal this did you minot asked of course not harrowby flushed a delicate pink it belongs in our family, has for years. Everybody knows that. Well, what is the trouble? I'll explain it all later. There's really nothing dishonorable, as men of the world look at such things. I give you my word that you can serve Mr. Jefferson best by keeping the necklace for the present, and seeing to it that it does not fall into the hands of the men who are looking for it. Minot sat staring gloomily ahead of him. Then he reached out, took up the necklace, and restored it to his pocket. Oh, very well, he said. If I'm sent to jail, tell Thacker I went singing in epithalamium. He rose. By the way, Harrowby remarked, I'm giving a little dinner tonight at the Manhattan Club. May I count on you? Surely, Minot smiled. I'll be there, wearing our necklace. My dear fellow, ah i see you mean it pleasantly wear it by all means minot passed from the eccentric blooms of that dressing-gown to the more authentic flowers of the florida outdoors in the plaza he met cynthia meyrick 
rival candidate to the morning in its glory matrimony she said is more trouble than it seems on a moonlit night under the palms i've never been so busy in my life by the way two of my bridesmaids arrived from new york last night lovely girls both of them but i forget forget what your young heart is already ensnared isn't it yes replied minot fervently it is but no matter tell me about your preparations for the wedding i should like to enjoy the thrill of it by proxy how like a man once all the thrill and none of the bother it's dreadfully hard staging a wedding way down here a thousand miles from everything but my gown came last night from paris can you imagine the thrill of that only faintly how stupid being a man must be oh how glorious being a girl with a man only an afterthought even at wedding time poor harrowby he keeps in the limelight fairly well however they walked a moment in silence i've wondered she said at length why did you kidnap mr trimmer's friend because yes eagerly minot looked at her and something rose in his throat to choke him i can't tell you he said it is the fault of the master of the show i'm only the pawn a baffled raging unhappy little pawn that's all i can tell you 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 were speaking of your wedding gown a present from aunt mary she answered a strange tenderness in her tone for a good little girl who's caught a lord a charming little girl said minot softly may i say that yes her brown eyes glowed i'm glad to have you say it i go in here good-bye mr kidnapper she disappeared into a shop and minot walked slowly down the street girls from peoria and paris from boise city and london passed by girls chaperoned and girls alone tourist girls in swarms and not a few of them wondered why such a good-looking young man should appear to be so sorry for himself returning to the hotel at noon minot met martin wall on the veranda lucky i put old george on tarragona for the day wall confided as i expected trimmer was out to call early this morning searched the ship from stem to stern i rather think we have mr trimmer up a tree he went away not quite so sure of himself good minot answered so you change your mind about going north yes think i'll stay over for the wedding by the way wasn't that chain lightning's collar you left behind you last night mm, yes thought so you ought to be more careful people might suspect you of being the thief at mrs bruce's if you think that i wish you'd speak to his lordship i have your innocence is established and i promised harrowby to keep his little mystery dark you're very kind said minot and went on into the hotel the remainder of the day passed lazily dick minot felt lost indeed for seemingly there were no more doughty deeds to be done in the name of jephson the gaiety lady was gone her letters were in the hands of the man who had written them the claimant to the title languished among the alligators of tarragona a prisoner trimmer appeared to be baffled bridesmaids arrived the wedding gown appeared it looked like smooth sailing now jack paddock 
met for a moment late in the afternoon announced airily by the way the duke and duchess of lismore have come you know the sausage lady and her captive my word you should see her a wardrobe to draw tears of envy from a theatrical star fifty costly necklaces and only one neck fret smiled minot funny things happened paddock whispered i met the duchess once abroad she sent for me this noon and almost bowled me over seems she's heard of mrs bruce as the wittiest woman in san marco and she's jealous you're a clever boy says her ladyship to me coach me up so i can outshine mrs bruce what do you know ah but you were the pioneer minot reminded him well i was for that matter said mr paddock but i know now it wasn't a clever idea if this woman can think of it too what did you tell her i was shocked i showed it it seemed deception to me still she made me an offer that well i told her i'd think it over good heavens jack you wouldn't try to sell em both dialogue why not play one against the other make em keener for my goods i've got a notion to clean up here quick and then go back to the real stuff that little girl from the middle west i've forgot all about her of course but speaking of cleaning up i'm thinking of it dick my boy yes i believe i'll take them both on secretly of course it means hard work for me but when one loves one's art no service seems too tough you're hopeless minot groaned say not so laughed paddock and went away humming a frivolous tune at a quarter before seven for the first time minot entered mr tom stacy's manhattan club and grill to anyone who crossed mr stacy's threshold with the expectation of immediately encountering lights and gaiety the first view of the interior came as a distinct shock the main dining-room of the manhattan club was dim with the holy dimness of a cathedral its lamps hung high were buried in oriental trappings and shone half-heartedly faintly through the gloom could be discerned white tablecloths gleaming silver the scene demanded hushed voices noiseless footsteps it got both the main dining-room was hollowed out of the centre of the great stone building and its roof was off in the dark three stories above on each side of the entrance stairways led to second and third floor balconies which stretched around the room on three sides from these balconies doors opened into innumerable rooms rooms where lights shone brighter and from which the chief of police when he came to make certain financial arrangements with mr stacy heard frequently a gentle click click it may have been that the furnishings of the main dining-room and the balconies were there before mr stacy's coming or again they may have set forth his own idea of suitable decoration looking about him mr minot was reminded of a play like cimarron after three hard seasons on the road moth-eaten rugs and musty tapestries hung everywhere here and there an atrocious cosy corner belied its name iron lanterns gave parsimonious light aged sofa pillows lay limply oriental mr stacy would have called the effect here in this dim but scarcely religious light the patrons of his grill ate their food 
being not without misgivings as they stared through the gloom at their plates the long tables for the harrowby dinner were already set and about them hovered waiters of a color to match the room most of the guests had arrived mr paddock made it a point to introduce mr minot at once to the duchess of lismore this noble lady with the packing-house past was making a commendable effort to lighten the manhattan club by a wonderful display of jewels then i felt i liked some watcher of the skies when a new planet swims into his kin whispered minot as the duchess moved away paddock laughed dowdy little woman by day but a pillar of fire by night he agreed by the way i'm foreman of her composing room beginning to-morrow be careful jack minot warned a double life from now on paddock replied but i think i can get away with it say for ways that are dark this man stacy seems to hold a better hand than the heathen chinee in one corner the portly spencer merrick was orating to a circle of young people on the evils of gambling minot turned away smiling cynically merrick as everybody knew had made a large part of his fortune in wall street the dinner was much larger than mrs bruce's minot met a number of new people the anemic husband of the jewels smug in his dukedom and several very attractive girls thrilled at being present in mr stacy's sinful lair he bestowed a smile upon aunt mary serene among the best people and discussed with mrs bruce who wasted no thought and wit on him the florida climate also he asked the elder of the omaha girls if she had heard of mr nat goodwin's latest wife for once the dinner itself was a minor event it sped rapidly there in the gloom and few so much as listened to the flashes of mrs bruce's wit save perhaps the duchess enviously it was after the dinner when harrowby led his guests to the entertainment above that interest grew tense no gloom in that bright room overhead a cluster of electric lights shed their brilliance on mr stacy's pet roulette tables set amid parlor furnishings of atrocious plush from one corner a faro layout that had once flourished on fifty-eighth street new york beckoned and on each side through open doors might be seen rooms furnished for the game of poker mr stacy's assistant a polished gentleman with a face like aged ivory presided over the roulette table he swung the wheel a few times an inviting smile on his face harrowby his eyes bright laid a sum of money beside a row of innocent figures he won he tried again and won some of the young women pushed close to the table visibly affected others pretended this sort of thing was an old story to them a few of the more adventurous women borrowed coins from the men and joined in the play arguments and misunderstandings arose which mr stacy's assistant urbanely settled more of the men paddock among them laid money on the table a buzz of excited conversation punctuated now and then by a deathly silence as the wheel spun and the little ball hovered heart-breakingly filled the room cheeks glowed red eyes sparkled the crush about the table increased spencer meyrick himself risked from his endless store mr tom stacy's place was in full swing dick minot caught cynthia meyrick's glance as she stood close beside 
Lord Harrowby. She seemed another girl tonight, grave rather than gay, her great brown eyes apparently looking into the future, wondering, fearing. As for Harrowby, he was a man transformed. Not for nothing was he the son of the sporting Earl of Raybrook, the peer who never failed to take a risk. The excitement of the game was reflected in his tall, tense figure, his flaming cheeks. This was the Harrowby who had made Jeffson that gambling proposition on a seventeenth floor in New York, and Harrowby won consistently, won until a fatal choice of numbers with an overwhelming stake left him poor again, and he saw all his winnings swept to swell Tom Stacy's store. Quickly, he wormed his way out of the crowd and sought Minot. "'May I see you a moment?' he asked. "'Out here?' And he led the way to the gloom of the balcony. "'If I only had the cash,' Harrowby whispered excitedly, "'I could break Stacy tonight, and I'm going to get it. Will you give me the necklace, please?' "'You forget,' Minot objected, "'that a necklace is supposed to have been stolen.' "'No, no.' that's no matter i'll arrange that hurry you forget too that she told me this morning that should this necklace be found now mr minot the necklace belongs to me will you kindly let me have it certainly said minot coldly and much annoyed he returned to the room amid the buzz and the thrill of gambling harrowby ran quickly down the stairs in the office of the club he found tom stacy in amiable converse with martin wall he threw a chain lightning's collar on the manager's desk how much can you loan me on that he demanded with a grunt of surprise mr stacy took up the famous collar in his thick fingers he gazed at it for a moment then he looked up and caught martin wall's crafty eye over harrowby's shoulder not a cent said mr stacy firmly what i don't understand harrowby gazed at him blankly it's worth not a cent stacy repeated that's final harrowby turned appealingly to martin wall you he pleaded i'm not investing wall replied with a queer smile lord harrowby restored the necklace to his pocket and crestfallen gloomy went back to the room above wouldn't loan me anything on it he whispered to minot i don't understand really thereafter harrowby suffered the pain of watching others play and while he watched in the little office downstairs a scene of vital bearing on his future was enacted a short stocky man with a bullet-shaped head had pushed open the door on mr stacy and wall he stood looking about him with a cynical smile hello tom he said old bill huntley cried stacy by gad you gave me a turn i forgot for a minute that you can't rate me down here them happy days is past returned mr huntley dryly i'm working for uncle sam now tom got new fish to fry used to have some gay times in new york didn't we oh hello craig my name is martin wall said that gentleman stiffly ain't he got the lovely manners said huntley pretending admiration always did have too and the swell friends still going round in the caviar crowd i hear what if i was to tell your friends here who you are you won't do that said wall outwardly unshaken but his breath came faster 
oh you're sure of that are you yes who i am isn't one of your worries in your new line of business and you're going to keep still because i can do you a favor and i will thanks craig excuse me martin wall sort of a strain keeping track of your names you know forget that i say i can do you a favor if you'll promise not to mix in my affairs well what is it you're down here looking for a diamond necklace known as chain lightning's collar great little guesser you are well what about it promise you deliver the goods and i'll see all right you'll find that necklace in lord harrowby's pocket right now and you'll find lord harrowby in a room upstairs mr huntley stood for a moment staring at the man he called craig then with a grunt he turned away two minutes later in the bright room above that same rather vulgar grunt sounded in lord harrowby's patrician ear he turned and his face paled hopelessly he looked toward minot then without a word he followed huntley from that room only two of that excited crowd about the wheel noticed and these two fled simultaneously to the balcony there half hidden behind an ancient musty rug cynthia mayrick and minot watched together harrowby and huntley descended the soft stairs at the bottom martin wall and stacy were waiting the sound of voices pitched low could be heard on the balcony but though they strained to hear the pair above could not however they could see the plebeian hand of mr huntley held out to lord harrowby they could see harrowby reach into his pocket and bring forth a white envelope next they beheld chain lightning's collar gleam in the dusk as huntley held it up a few low words and harrowby went out with the detective martin wall ascended the stair on the dim balcony he was confronted by a white-faced girl whose wonderful copper hair had once held chain lightning's collar what does it mean she asked her voice low and tense mean martin wall laughed it means that lord harrowby must go north and face a united states commissioner in jersey city it seems that when he brought that necklace over he quite forgot to tell the customs officials about it go north when to-night on the midnight train north to jersey city mr wall went into the bright room where the excitement buzzed on oblivious cynthia meyrick turned to minot but he can't possibly get back she cried no he can't get back i'm sorry and my wedding dress came last night she stood clutching a moth-eaten tapestry in her slim white hand in the gloom of that dull old balcony her eyes shone strangely some things aren't to be she whispered and very faintly others are a thrill shot through minot sharp as a pain but glorious what did you mean by that what indeed but the one thing that must not happen the thing he wanted most of all things in the world to happen the thing he had come to san marco to prevent he came closer to her and closer the blood was pounding in his brain dazed exulting he held out his arms cynthia he cried and then suddenly behind her on the stairs he caught sight of a great bald head ascending through the dusk it was an ordinary bald head the property of mr stacy in fact but to minot a certain jephson seemed to be moving beneath it he remembered 
his arms fell to his sides he turned away we must see what can be done he said mechanically yes cynthia merrick agreed in an odd tone we must see what can be done and a tear unnoticed fell on mr stacy's aged oriental tapestry End of chapter fourteen